Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. And it is the hour of Mike and Michael, hour two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM, because in addition to former NFL executive host of the show, Michael Lombardi, we also have Mike Somich, professional handicapper, coming up in about 15 minutes. And for the final half hour, the return of the maestro, Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa and Beeson, host as well Cue for the Palm's music. Pressing yes. 3. But yes, Michael, we have an open today, by the way, for no way or no doubt. I have finally like weaseled my way in and made you things should. happen. Are you ready for that? I'm so excited to see this. Yes. All right. Roll it, Elliot. Let's go. Uh, no way. Or do you approve? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt my mind. No diggity, no doubt. It's time to ask Michael Lombardi. No way or no doubt. <laughs> No way. <laughs> Welcome back to the Lombardi line. Uh, very excited for this. Always fun to go through some of the major headlines and storylines in professional sports and see if they're legit or just get out of here. Because, I mean, how many times do you read something and you say to yourself, okay, well, that's never going to happen. I don't know what he's on, but I need to get myself some of it. So we'll see if that's the case or not here. And we're going to start with your Philadelphia 76ers, Michael, because Great. former Raptors head coach Nick Nurse was hired earlier this week to be the new bench boss in Philly. Nurse has a history coaching under Daryl Morey. He has championship pedigree, led the Raptors to an NBA title his first year. So no way or no doubt Nick Nurse will lead the 76ers to the NBA Finals in his tenure. No way. Look, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to have to be uh, see it first before I believe he can ever change Embiid's conditioning and the way he plays. Look, he's the MVP. He's a great, great talent. I'm not disputing this at all. But in terms of the things that are required to be a champion, the belief that you have to have to do the things that you have to really push your team to separate itself. I have yet to see that in him. And so for me, I have a hard time believing that all of a sudden one move is going to change a guy. You know, I just don't see it. I mean, like when you look at, like just let's take Pat Riley, for example. When Riley talks about the cost of winning a championship is about getting your butt in the best condition you've ever been in your life. The only way you can do that is you got to work really hard. And to be a champion, to get to this level, your conditioning has to be at an extreme level. We don't talk about it at all. You know, we just assume players are in shape. But to me, Nick Nurse's challenge isn't going to be what does Harden come back? What do they do? Or what do I do with Maxi? His challenge is I have this incredibly talented player incredibly talented what do I how do I get him to understand that his conditioning is uh, and he's operating on 50 percent of what he could do and if we don't get his butt into the low post because he doesn't want to go in the low post because it affects his conditioning 
that's going to be an issue. So until it's proven to me with my own eyes, I will never believe that. There's no way. I go now. It's my turn. Okay. okay? <laughs> it's my turn. Regardless of who starts at quarterback, Miss Stormy, the San Francisco 49ers have enough weapons to compete with anyone in the NFC. Thoughts? No way or no so doubt with that statement. I, despite the season win total that we see for them, how high they are on the odds board in the NFC, I would say no way. I think that that I think that the quarterback position is the most important and impactful on the field. And no matter how many incredible weapons that you have, the position isn't plug and play. And we saw that with Jimmy Garoppolo historically with the 49ers, right? The difference when he was on the field with the team versus anybody else that stepped into that role before Brock Purdy, like even Trey Lance. And you you said this even just moments ago when we were talking about the Desmond Ritter conversation, all of the weapons that he has around him, right? That Trey Lance couldn't do it, but Brock Purdy could. And so uh, I'm going to say no way because I think that you have to have stability at the most important position, and hopefully the 49ers are able to find that. And you're not overly optimistic as the great John Lynch is over watching Purdy throw for the first time. So happy that uh, that he's on target, yes. If anybody... Nobody's more optimistic than John Lynch. He's the Will Rogers it's of the NFL. Crazy. He's happy about everything. He's happy about Trey Lance's progress. He's happy about everything. I've never seen a guy happier in all my life. Well, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan think that they have three franchise quarterbacks in oh, the quarterback room God. with the two of them and oh, Sam Darnold. God. So I don't know. Uh, yes, they're a very optimistic group there. For anybody who missed it, John Lynch was on Sirius XM NFL radio yesterday talking about Brock Purdy finally out there throwing for the first time. He's hitting all of his markers and he's he said he's not surprised because he's put because he's putting in the work. Of course he's putting in the work, Michael. He just got the opportunity of his life as a Mr. Irrelevant last pick in the entire NFL draft that goes on to take the San Francisco 49ers to an NFC championship and has an opportunity to be their starting quarterback of the future. Of course he's putting the work in. What are we saying? Uh, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I, that's a but, that's a cliche I'm that goes around. Well, he's putting the work in. And B, everyone, oh, and B puts the work in. No, it's one of the results, not what the work. Because anybody could show up. George Costanza went to work and put his car there. Did he do any work when he got there? He just had a bunch of Chinese uh, menu stickers on his car. Like, he didn't do any work. He put in the hours. But where's the work? The work is in the results. Yep, and we'll see what the 49ers are able to do because I am a big fan of all of those weapons. Uh, George Kittle, you look at Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, everything that they've added, and then on the defensive end, bringing in Javon Hargrave. It's They seem like they could be a really, really fun team if they have the right guy under center, but I think that's more important than not. Let's keep it rolling here. Back to the NBA. We have talked nearly as much about the Nuggets' rest advantage in Game 1 of the NBA Finals as we have Denver's home court coming into this situation. But how about the altitude? Because I think that's a big part of the home court advantage for Denver throughout the course of the regular season. How does that impact uh, teams here in the playoffs? Let's listen to Eric Spolstra's thoughts on it first, and then I'll hit you with the question. Oh, just kidding. We do not have the soundbite for Eric Spolstra, but he said if Denver wants to tip this thing off at the top of Everest, that they will do it. So they are yeah. not phased by the altitude. No way or no doubt the altitude in Denver will negatively affect the Miami Heat. No way, because as I just talked about, the Riley quote, the, the, the mantra, it might affect Kyle Lowry, but it's not going to affect the other Heat players. I mean, the Heat believe, you know, the Heat are huge believers of body fat testing. There are huge believers in heart rate. They, they monitor conditioning. It's part of their culture. It's part of who they are. And they're in great shape. And so when you're in great shape, yeah, altitude. But there's a lot of timeouts in the NBA Finals. There is. I mean, what I heard Spolster say at his press conference after Game 7, if Jimmy Jimmy would have played 48 minutes, he, he, like he doesn't get tired. I, I could still remember asking Scottie Pippen, do you ever get tired? And he said, tired of what? Because the idea of being exhausted from playing didn't even enter his mind. So I, I think this is something that's a cliche that we all talk about but the conditioned athletes that the NBA produces because of all the running they do, I don't think it affects them. I really don't. Do I think that, that Miami and Butler could be tired in the fourth quarter because of all the games they played? Yeah, I do think that. I do. Do I yeah. think his we'll see it early if his shot's short and he's front-rimming it? Yeah, I do think that. But I don't think it's going to be because of altitude. I think it's going to be because of wear and tear. Yeah, exactly. I'm more curious. And plus, Jimmy Butler, too, dealing with the ankle tweak that he had last series. Like, you wonder, 
adding all of those things together, how things are going to play out here. The thing that I would say when it comes to altitude is just make sure that because we know that they're in peak physical condition, but make sure you're hydrated because I I don't know your experiences when you've been at yep, games yeah. in Denver, but like I get, I would get really bad headaches when I first moved to Colorado and I didn't realize it was because, oh, I'm just not getting enough water, things like that, that you don't necessarily think of as much as the physical conditioning. All right, we got one more here in No Way or No Doubt for you, Michael. Jameis Winston may be a backup now, but the former number one pick from 2015 hopes it's short-lived Here's Winston talking to reporters this week about his belief that he is still a starting caliber player, and we do have this sound. So here we go. I'm still preparing for whenever my opportunity does uh, present, present itself because I still believe I'm a starting quarterback in this in this league. But right now my role is to serve Derek and, uh, and be the best team I can uh, to whip my role on this team. Uh, it's to each his own. You know, everyone has different journeys uh, in, this, in this league, uh, but, you know, it's – it's challenging uh, to be an NFL quarterback, and when you have the opportunity to be a star NFL quarterback, you want to make the most uh, most of it. You know, uh, I've just had some unfortunate injuries over the past three years, so this is where I'm at. Yeah. You know, but this is not where I visualize being uh, in the near future. Unfortunate injuries. My guy broke his back in four different <laughs> spots. But okay, no way or no doubt, Jameis Winston will be a starting quarterback again in the NFL. What do you think? I, I don't. I, no doubt I'm going to say on this, and here's okay. why. I think that just listening to him talk there, he understands his place. He's not bitter about it. Now, if he's accepted his place, that would concern me, but I think he understands his place, which is different. You know, Geno Smith should be his inspiration because Geno Smith understood his place but didn't accept it. He worked hard to get to where he got to, and he became a starter after he passed 30. This young man needs to understand that he has to grow. Think about that draft, Stormy. Mariota and Winston, there was such a debate who was going to be the best quarterback. Neither of them are starters now. One and two they went in that draft. Neither of them are starters. So I think he's got a chance. Look, he turns the ball over too much. He doesn't pay attention to the details. There's so much, but he has played games, and a lot of this is going to come down to him. How badly does he want it? Is he just going to go through the motions or is he going to really, really buy in and really decide, hey, this is my opportunity? Because you don't know. It could happen on the first play of the first game of the regular season. Carr gets hurt. You're back in there. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Obviously, Derek Carr is the starting quarterback right now, but you never know when your name is going to be called. I was secretly hoping that there were going to be some comeback player of the year odds available just somewhere, just in case something like that were to happen. We don't have a number yet, but we'll keep an eye out for sure. We got to take a quick break, but the hour of Michael rolls on. Mike Somich, professional handicapper, coming up next. This is the Lombardi Line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes. You can see changes in all of the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way VSIN's here to make you a more informed, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. As far as things go for tonight's NBA Finals matchup between the Nuggets and Miami Heat, relatively split on the number of bets and handle coming in for the spread for tonight's game. The same cannot be said for the series. So we will break it all down as we welcome in Mike Somich to the show, professional handicapper at Samabomb18. Does that surprise you at all to hear that folks are pretty split on what to do with the number tonight but as far as the series goes everything's coming up Denver no it doesn't I mean if you just look at recreational versus professional betters and kind of what you see from a handle perspective you've got a lot more professional betters or, or people who dive into this more on a daily basis that would look at those series prices recreationally you see a lot of the money line plays especially on the day of the game and if we look back at that Celtics heat series, there was a lot of public money in game one, a lot of public money in game two, a lot of public money in game seven, all on the heat. I'd expect you see a lot of those uh, Barstool Joe guys come back in and play the heat here at a plus number in the first game, just to, to kind of run it back with some of their winnings. But you're going to see a lot of people hunting the series price. You're looking more from a professional perspective. And, and that's what I looked at. I, I felt that there's a lot of advantages for Denver here in this series. When you go down the line of how Miami is going to guard Denver, it's just a mess. I mean, because if you decide to put out a bio on Jokic, which is probably your most likely situation because you want Caleb Martin in the game, then you, you move out from there. And it's just it's hard to understand how Miami is going to be able to consistently defend all of the different options, be it Murray, be it Gordon, be it Michael Porter Jr. after that first spot. And if you look at the zone, which is what was so effective for Miami in game six and game seven. Denver is number two in the NBA in efficiency against the zone. When Jokic is on the floor, they're number one in the NBA in efficiency against the zone. So Miami's going to have to play man-to-man, and that's going to be a big problem for them. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting how Spolstra handles the zone because the way they, they they play zone different than everybody else in the NBA. They play zone with an angry temperament. I mean, they just don't rest in their zone. They're active. And, you know, this isn't like when we were in school and everybody were going to play a 2-3 zone and everybody just put their hands up and hope the ball, you know, that somebody can make a shot. They play it a little different. I, I kind of get the sense to me that, you, you can't let the other guys beat you. You can't let Jokic be the distributor. I was told by a guy in the league yesterday that Denver's the best cutting team in the NBA. They cut harder than any team in the league. So if you're playing man-to-man, the way they cut, it's really difficult, and he becomes a better player. So I'm actually thinking, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is to go under on assists for Jokic because I actually think Spolster might try to keep the ball in his hands. Well, if they, if they come out in that zone and they are forcing Jokic to make plays inside the paint, catch the ball at the free throw line and make plays, and it's Adebayo or Love who are the two most likely players to guard him, uh, he is going to feast 
offensively, uh, specifically from a points perspective. And it is going to cut down on those cuts, right? One of the things I love about this Denver team is you got Aaron Gordon cutting. you got Michael Porter Jr. cutting. Michael Porter Jr. can hit the three. Murray cuts. He can hit the three. So there's versatility in their three-point shooters. They're not just straight three and D guys. They're guys who can get to the hoop as well. I, I agree with you on the look that the, the number of assists would probably be down for Jokic if they play primarily zone. Be interesting to see if they're able to play primarily zone. It, this is a team, Miami, who has lost seven of the last eight to Denver. They've lost six in a row to Denver. It's just been a tough matchup for them consistently over the process of the last couple of years. Because of that, I mean, I'm, I'm in on the Denver series prices here. I took Denver minus one and a half when that was sitting at minus 135. That's been bet out to minus 200 in a lot of places. I've got Denver minus two and a half games at plus 150. That's down to plus 110, plus 120 in a lot of places. But my favorite bet on the board I, look, I don't want to lay the 425 with Denver, but you can take Denver to win game one, Denver to win the series. I got it at minus 225 when the originally numbers were posted. It's still readily available at minus 250. I think that's an absolute steal because if Denver does win game one, this series price is going to go be up to what, 600, 700, somewhere in that range. So you're getting quite a bit of value there. And just from a situational perspective, this is a really tough spot for Miami because they have to travel. Denver has been preparing for Miami since they were up 3-0. So Denver's coaching staff has had plenty of time to get ready for this. And now you have to deal with coming off of an emotional seven-game series win where you up 3-0, went all the way to seven, and then you have to fly and take on a team that you don't match up very well. I think Spolster's going to make an effect on this series, but I think game one is going to be a tough one to make that effect on. So I, I think it's Denver tonight. And if they do win this one, I love them in the series. So that minus 250 is the, the best bet for me in the series perspective. And it's interesting perspective, too, because I remember when you were on the show last week, we had a similar conversation when it came to Major League Baseball that you backed, uh, you were fading the A's on the first five and in the game, and you put that together, and it just brings down the juice so much in that spot. Let's go from the NBA Finals now to the Stanley Cup Final, which is set to drop the puck this coming uh -oh. Saturday here in Vegas uh -oh. at T-Mobile Be Arena. careful, Mike. <laughs> be careful here now. You know, uh, I thought I'm, she, I'm I thought she was going to get two NBA here. questions in before she got this, but she just can't wait. I mean, she just got to have it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. My Vegas Golden Knights, I can already tell based on your Con Smythe pick that you are betting against <laughs> them in some way, shape, or form, which I don't like to hear. But I'll, I'll respect your opinion. I'll hear what you have to say. What you got for us? Well, look, this this Vegas Golden Knights team has been phenomenal. What Cassidy has done to, to you can change just send the it tempo. right there. You can just send it yeah. right well, there. Well, you know, got to give them some props. <laughs> look, Storm, you're having a great year. San Diego State made the Final Four. You got the Knights in the final, the Stanley Cup Finals here. I don't think you can complain if, even if they fall here. The 49ers uh, were in the conference championship game. I mean, she's on a roll. But, uh, I mean, but are we also it. not noticing a theme here of just disastrous endings to these seasons, though? <laughs> like getting embarrassed in the national championship, having your starting quarterback go down, and you're down to a fourth stringer and just. Come on, like, is that is that what I'm destined for here? So that's really the way you're teeing this up. I can feel it. Well, we gotta we gotta fade the stormy trend then, right? Ah. You gotta go. You gotta fade the stormy teams when they get to the finals. That's how you play this. Look, it, this is gonna be an interesting series. I came on here last week or two weeks ago, I think it was. We talked about unders in the conference finals because of the way the Vegas Golden Knights are playing. This feels like more of an over series, and I think this is gonna go pretty long. I like over five and a half games at plus 145 right now for the series. I think we are going six or seven here, and I think we're gonna see some offense. Vegas has been very proficient at scoring early in games. If they continue to do that trend, and you see Florida get to play with pace, which is something we have not seen in a little bit because of who they have been facing, I think you're going to see some goals in this series. And I don't love the series price. I think it's actually pretty properly priced at minus 125 for Vegas, plus 105 for Florida. But if you look at the Con Smythe market, I think it's really, really interesting. You've got four guys at Vegas that are anywhere from four to one to 10 to one. And you've got two Panthers who are your favorites, Bobrovsky at two to one and Kachuk at three to one. The narrative for me here is Kachuk. I mean, he was the difference from this team last year to this year. He had three game-winning goals in that conference finals in the Eastern Conference. He's got four for the playoffs. He's leading the team in points. He, to me, is going to be the breakout media star. And you got to remember, the media votes for these awards. You look at the Eastern Conference finals. I, I felt that Caleb Martin should have easily won. But, of course, it was going to be Jimmy Butler. And you look at the West. I thought that Murray was as good as Jokic. It was never going to be Murray. This is one of those situations where I think the narrative makes a difference here. And if this is an over-series, that's going to hurt Bobrovsky's chances to be able to win it. If Florida wins and it's an over-series, that points to Matthew Kachuk. He's 3-1 to one on the board right now. So that's where I'll go with my, uh, with my Consmite pick. Uh, Stormy, any follow-up to so that? I, I mean, okay. you know. 
So the reason I'm, I'm slightly upset about this is because I do have <laughs> the Golden Knights to win the series. My safety net is my Sergei Bobrovsky 5-1 to one ticket that I bet a little while ago. Because my thought process was that if the Florida Panthers are going to continue this run of success, it's going to be on the shoulders of Bobrovsky in net. The way that he is, like, the goals above expected for this guy are since they started making the stat a decade ago off the chart, something that we've never seen before. He's been playing so high over his head and... For as much compliments as we give the Florida Panthers defense, it's it's largely been him and net doing that. So I feel like if they win, it's going to need to happen with him. But the I, if there were a pick to make for Conn Smythe for a Golden Knight, I don't know who it could be. I really don't because they roll four lines and there's so many different guys that can hurt you. I would take Aiden Hill sitting there at 10 to 1. Yeah. I think that's the way to go because I agree with you. They roll four lines. I don't know who's going to have the best offensive series here. And if we are playing a higher-paced game, I think Aiden Hills has to play very, very well for the Golden Knights to be able to win this series. So I would rather take a shot at 10 to 1 with a goalie who had two shutouts in the Western Conference Finals. If he can keep that momentum going, I think that's a huge plus. My other concern for Bobrovsky, this rest hurts goalies more than anyone else. He probably didn't want to leave the rink after they won that series against Carolina just because there are so many positives for a goalie when they are playing hot. Now he has to take a break. So I think Aiden Hill has a better chance of continuing the hot streak. And like you said, rolling four lines gives a, a advantage to the goaltender when you're looking at awards. Oh, Samich, by the way, I was just looking through, you know, the Florida Panthers win so far in the playoffs. And I was like, you know, they've been really good on the road. What exactly is that number? Eight and one. Eight and yeah. one on the road this postseason. Better than their home record. It's been crazy. So I hope the Golden Knights at least get it done game one. But then after that, I think it's really anybody's series. You're the best. Thank you for doing this. No Thank problem. you, Mike. Have a good one, guys. Good luck, Stormy. Now you love me. They, I've got to counsel well. her. I I got a counselor. Thank you. Leave the show, and now I've got a counselor after what you did. You're You're like the boat that goes through the wake zone. You know, it's just that you go, now I got to deal with all the waves here. You're not counseling me and giving me therapy. You're poking the bear. Like, you know how to (laughs) throw salt in the wound. That's all that's happening here. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Final half hour with our guy, Mike Palm, and Palm's pressing three to close the show. You won't want to miss it. You're an animal, Michael. Come on. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Take your sports betting game to the next level this summer with a VSIN Pro subscription. Sign up now, just $9.99, and you'll get access to everything we do here at VSIN, including daily pro picks on all the summer action, including NFL and college football futures, premium analysis from our top team of handicappers and industry experts, 24 7 video access, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits showing you where the public and sharp money is going to give you an edge start betting smarter visit vcin.com slash subscribe and sign up now rolling along here on the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi Stormy Bon and Tony with you and Michael be still my heart I can't even believe my own eyes in the flesh live in studio vcin's own Mike Palm VP of operations here at Circa can we get a round of applause I didn't know you were going to yes, make it it's good to Been have you here. back Mr. Mayor yes it's been so long almost three and a half hours since I was in studio but <laughs> But well, I'm glad you finally I, made it because there's been a few weeks here where I've seen you on the morning and then you just didn't have the time to make it to our little program here. You know, I see I see where your priorities lie. Well, <laughs> the first week, two weeks ago, it was because we had budget review meetings starting at 9 a.m. So I was able to do Mitch and Paul last week. It was because I was preparing to travel. If I would have known I would have all these delays, I could have done your show uh, last Thursday. But that's OK. We're all together today and let's move forward. Let me ask you, Mike. Uh, love the uh, love the announcement of the contest. Oh, yeah. Love the Andy that got up. Where now? T- there's ten in Survivor that c- you can have ten entries in Survivor, and f- and how many can you have in the millions? Right. We increased the max number of entries in Survivor from six to ten, while increasing the guarantee from six million to eight million, and then in the circa millions, we increased the max entries from three to five. We kept a six million dollar guarantee. Uh, with the Circa Millions. Remember, last year we didn't get there. We were about 1.3 million short, just a little more than that, 4.6, almost 4.7 million. So Derek had to make up the other 1.3. We went over by 100,000 in, in Survivor. So we're really trying to grow each contest by about 2,000 entries this year. How have you seen the demand come up specifically for Survivor, though? Because it seems like people just absolutely love it. 
I, I think that people view it in two different, and they're two different contests. I mean, one contest is five against the spread every week, but there's a lot of different ways to win in the quarterly and the I booby think prize. I, think, I mean, they're both very, very hard, but I think having the multiple entries for five different picks against the spread every week is really hard. And, and people kind of view that as a more of a, a semi-pro contest, right? And the people that win, win those, where I think Survivor is this everyman romantic yeah. concept that anybody can do it. The guy that sells roofing. I mean, a guy that did sports memorabilia. Uh, It's the the different stories of the people that have made it to the end. And so none of them really professional gamblers, just recreational at best, or or, a group that gets together and forms a corporation. And it's it, the stories are really interesting and the bad beats and it looks simple, right? Just pick a winner, no point spread every week. And, and yet it's so hard. And last year we saw such massive chaos at the beginning. Then there was stability and then chaos that game on Christmas Eve with the Raiders and the Steel. I mean, it all, it flipped and flopped and eventually two entries, you know, won $3 million each. So I think by not this year, but I think by next year, it's my thought that we'll get up to 10,000 entries and the survivor. We'll see where we go. We're, we're hoping to get 8,000 this year, but uh, it's really taken off and people gravitate to it. And when they get knocked out, they can't wait until they can get back in next year. Yeah, they try to buy their way in. Some guys try to get themselves in to see if they can get back in, take over a ticket. Mike, you've looked over week one. What do you think is the biggest trap for survivor betters in week one? Ooh, that's a good you question. know, that that's a great question, Michael. I, I tell you, I like to stick with Amal Shaw's theories on this because I, I think he plays the contest awful well, and he has tenets about what teams he will not play or what situations he will not play. He says, number one, if you can avoid it, never play a road team. At some point, you might have to. But then his other tenet is stay away from division games um, because the teams are so familiar uh, with each other. Week one's hard, Michael, because of all the changes uh, and things that happen. Um, I, looking at what's going to be the most popular picks, I know you might want to use the Commanders because they're six-point favorite in week one because the Cardinals are not, you know, DraftKings does a great job. They put out the line on every game throughout the whole year. The Cardinals aren't favored in any game. There's 17 games, and your your guy, Kyler Murray, is not favored in any of those spots. Um, so I I think that will be one of the popular picks because you'll look at in that division with the, with the Giants, the Eagles, and Cowboys, when can you use the Commanders? So that, you know, that might be a popular pick. I don't know if people will use New Orleans against the Titans uh, and the uncertainty of the Titans are trying these, you know, young quarterbacks, but it looks like Tannehill, who, who he is, Tannehill, uh, is, is head and shoulders above the other two at this point. Who, who knows? But uh, I think the commanders probably are going to be the most popular pick in week one. And I'm not sure it's an awful pick with the state of the Cardinals. I love that it's may and we're already talking about this stuff though getting so excited for the start of the nfl season which we're under the century mark now in terms of days ahead of that week one kickoff on thursday night i think it's 98 days i saw yesterday um let's get to where things are shaking out with the nba finals we've got game Uh one coming up tonight uh where do you guys sit and where's your liability with the series so both both are are good results uh for us Uh, we would have rather seen boston in the final because the heat was a loser to the eastern conference but both are positive results as we stand. We're seeing more people play this series with the games handicapped and play it straight. Uh, the money's coming in. Nuggets minus a game and a half is the most popular bet. Some yeah, are I doing, saw you guys were like minus 185. Yeah, Nuggets minus two and a half even. I know Mike Samich is on all those every which way to the Nuggets, as Gil would say. Um, so parlaying them with, uh, you know, with, with results, uh, different type of results with the Nuggets for the series. Um, so it's, it's been pretty one-sided here. We get up to nine, we go back to eight and a half with game one. So that's not too, too off balance, but not getting too many bites on the heat for the series. Yeah. Mike, t- t- did Boston getting eliminate help you on futures? No, we would have rather had Boston the best result possible for us. And the Lakers were the huge liability. Once we got the Lakers out of the way, we could breathe. We weren't really going to get hurt, but the, the very best result would have been Denver, Boston, and then Boston uh, winning the title. But it wasn't that much different for Denver. So the Heat we lost to, six figures to in the Eastern Conference, we'll overcome it with the, the finals result unless we get really lopsided uh, on Denver and that eats away at, at the future book. But we, the NBA, uh, a good season for us in terms of future tickets. 
I mean, we we were over a million and a half loser to the Lakers, which mm -hmm. many books were in a similar spot, uh, either close to a million or over a million liability. When you could hit the Lakers at fifty to one forty, they got off to such an awful start. Two and ten. It, start we the we year. lost to. Would they make the playoffs? Yes, no. We yep. got beat here. We got beat, especially in Colorado, with that. So uh, that's how people have been playing things. What's your perspective on this series and how it's going to play out? I, I heard the top of the show, and I and I sort of agree that you know. Miami had such a coaching edge in the Eastern Conference Final. I think it gets neutralized here. Um, there's always this argument of rest versus rhythm, right? But, you know, Miami came in. Remember, they lost three games before they won the final game. And I, I just think, I said after watching the first round of the playoffs, Denver looked like the best team in either conference, especially with Milwaukee going out. They just, their offense looks so fluid. They've got that combination of, of Jokic who can do everything and distribute the ball, and they just have those wing shooters, which you, every team really, you know, you've got to have wing shooters. When you, when your wing shooters go two for 10 and two for 12, you lose those games. It's still a make-or-miss league. Uh, and just Denver looks like the most complete team to me. I, I would bet Denver, I don't mind that handy. 180 is a little steep at a game and a half, right? You're getting into there. Um, maybe you bet the individual games. Maybe you look at in-game opportunities where if the Heat can get off to a good start in some of these games in Denver, and you can get Denver cheaper, you know, minus one and a half, two and a half if they get down six or eight early in one of these games. I don't, you know, as you know, Stormy, I don't really delve too much into the NBA um, at all during the year and a little bit in the playoffs, much more focused on baseball and, and hockey, hockey. And, and the Dutch and, Air Divisti playoffs uh, going yeah, on today. Yeah, well, let's, the talk, let's talk hockey, Mike Palm. Uh, wh where are you on the Vegas Knights? You're sitting next to the biggest Vegas Knight fan there, so be careful. I'm, I'm sitting here disappointed because I thought I was such a good spot with my future tickets, having the Bruins at 35 to one and the stars at 35 to one. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be in a position to possibly name my number to win somewhere between 15 and $35,000 and end up, you know, I bet the Knights minus 120 in the series uh, against Dallas, you know, as, as a monetization of my ticket. And I'm glad I did. Uh, I thought Dallas could get one of the first two games they didn't. Look, at the, at the end of the day, Ottinger just didn't play well enough. Everybody, we were counting on Ottinger. Uh, Aiden Hill outplayed him. Uh, and, and the Knights are a really good road team, which is important in the playoffs. So you come in here, you get that long break for Florida here, which I think helps the Knights. I mean, Bobrovsky's been terrific. This team was a President's Cup winner last year. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good series. What other sport, Michael, would you see the one seed in one conference playing against in essence, the seven seed wild card in another conference, and the series price is one fifteen. Yeah, I mean, almost yeah, a pick. Up. Only hockey. Yeah. Do you see something oh, like yeah. this? Well, that's exactly, kind of yeah. what I was thinking. Is that I, maybe we've just been talking about this team all wrong because we know how good they were a season ago, and then they just get knocked out in the second round from the Tampa Bay Lightning, who like, we know year after year the Lightning just kept going and. Yeah, they're a really, really good team. Matthew Kachuk and Sergei Bobrovsky have been stepping up, but I'm still sticking with my Go Knights Go. So <laughs> prayers up. They get their first one in franchise history. Sixth year in existence. So crazy to think about. We got Palms Pressing 3 coming up next. I won't tease what it is, though, Michael. I know you don't read. You don't want to read. You don't want to know what it is. We'll get to it next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you 
straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Plus, if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert those BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use toward dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located here on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to please play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Alongside Michael Lombardi out there in Jersey, Stormy Bonantone and Mike Palm at the desk in our VEASAN studio at Circa Resort and Casino. And I forgot, because we we ran out of time going to the break, to even bring up how awesome it was to see Stadium Swim all over the ESPN broadcast in the NHL Western Conference Final the other day. Are you guys going to have another watch party like that for the Stanley Cup? Yeah, we've got Game 3 next Thursday, uh, Stormy, which is terrific, works out well on a Thursday night. Uh, I think we're going to start it early, like 2 o'clock admission for the fans to get in with their Vegas Knights gear on. And, yeah, Steve Levy did us a solid shouting us out. We got some good shots and hope to approve uh, a little bit of the theatrics and presentation for game three. Awesome. That's great. Better tell Barry's to expand that. Right, It's going to be busy down there, Barry's. You better tell him. Yeah, they got to tur- turn it over a little quicker, Michael. Turn. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Any any final thoughts, though, on the series before we get to Palms pressing three? No. I, I think it'll be a good series. Interesting uh, game one should be very interesting, I think. Can, can Florida, who's gotten out to good starts in the last two rounds, uh, come on the road and win a game here? Um, should be an incredible atmosphere, uh, as you said, since year one for us to get back uh, with the with the Knights. And so I think game one holds a real key to the series. I, I think the winner of game one wins the Stanley Cup. Oh, well. Okay, I hope that the Golden Knights can set the tone at T-Mobile Arena then. But we, we were talking, uh, JVT and I, yesterday on the show about, like, which team is more a team of destiny, the Florida Panthers and the incredible run that they've had to go on beating the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and that road as an eight seed versus the, the Golden Knights, who Bill Foley said before skates ever hit the ice and a team was formed that they were going to be in the playoffs in three and hoisting a Stanley Cup in six was his prediction. So really, really cool. Either way, a franchise is going to walk away with their first ever Stanley Cup trophy. Let's get to Palms pressing three. What do you have for Michael today? Yeah, Bill Aidey, the uh, the uh, CEO of uh, of Eason here in studio, said people saying if they didn't get a pressing three this week, they wanted their nine dollars back for their subscription. <laughs> so we've got to deliver here. All right, Michael, we've all read by now yep. about the ridiculous new fair catch rules the NFL has instituted, gifting teams the ball at the twenty five yard line. With how good NFL field goal kickers are. A couple chuck plays and first downs and you're already in field goal range. Eliminating special teams feels like it will assist the poorly coached teams. And I'm sure Matt LaFleur is loving the new rule. 
Gone are the days of deciding whether to use a valuable roster spot on kickoff specialists or return men or even a punter who can kick off. What are the unintended consequences of this rule? There are likely many. Will sharp teams come up with clever ways to bounce or squib the ball down the field to avoid a fair catch? This will not be fun to watch. Would you advise teams to happily take the ball at the 25 to start each drive? I would. No potential penalties or fumbles. And is there a betting ramification to this new rule? I think the key line you said in that, co- in that question was penalties. Penalties are a killer in special teams. And we know they love to call penalties. And so if you're a team like Green Bay, who really doesn't practice a lot. Now, they have Rich Bisacci. They got better when Dixon became their returner. Nixon, excuse me, when he became the returner. But most of these West Coast teams, they don't put enough time or they put players in the kicking game. And so if you're one of those teams, you're better off just taking it to 25 and not getting. If you're Kansas City or Atlanta with Cordell Patterson or New England who believe in the kicking game, Baltimore, then I think you have an opportunity because I think what's going to happen is these teams that don't care about special teams, and there's an analytical community out there that does it. They're not going to practice. They're going to cut practice time on coverage kicks. Well, they'll just take it at the 25. And they're not going to put the time and resources in it, which opens up a whole opportunity for execution at the highest level to be successful. And so I do think the teams that really value kicking game are going to be even better at it because they're going to still devote the time to it. And they're going to make you return it. Right? They're going to try to make you return it, whereas the other teams, I think, are just going to take it at the 25 and say, well, at least we don't have any penalties. We know how negatively this has been received from NFL teams and specifically players and coaches that really want this to be a part of the game. But I wonder, since this is only a one-year test, how it's going to be received publicly and if it's something that they continue with. Well, they're going to look at injury statistics, but they're also going to look at how, how the competitive balance of the game and is it making the game less fan-friendly, less TV-friendly. I, I think it's a one-year rule. I, yeah. I think it's a bad change. Michael, question number two. John Gruden, of all people, was brought in this week by the Saints to help new quarterback Derek Carr install the offense. Regardless of what you think about the NFL's hasty, hasty ousting of Gruden, what are the optics of this? How will his new team look at him being dependent on someone who could be a pariah in their locker room? Did Carr really need Gruden's help? What's that say about him? And how should the Saints offensive staff feel? This move doesn't exactly reek of confidence all the way around. And if Gruden isn't calling the plays, his best skill as a coach, what's the real upside? Yeah, that one I don't know. I think that the upside was they're doing him a solid. They got him back out there. They kind of got his name exposed. We're talking about it, which is something that hasn't been occurring. And they took him in, which a lot of people are saying, well, we don't really want to take him in. you know. And the fact that Carr, to bring him in for Carr, when Pete Carmichael and the Saints, let's go through the origin of the Saints offense, right? It starts with Sean Payton. Sean Payton's first NFL job was where? Philadelphia. Who was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia? John Gruden. The terminology, the structure of the Saints offense, the Sean Payton offense, is similar to the Gruden offense. So Carmichael had to be wondering, okay, he'll give us some new ideas, but we run the same thing. Like, I don't, why are we catering to John or bringing John in when a phone call could have sufficed? I think this was about helping John. I think Bob Lamont, the agent, has a lot to do with this. I think Bob, hey, we got to get John back into it. We got John's too good of a coach to be sitting out. You know, John should be involved. Yes, he made a mistake. Yes, those emails were distasteful. Yes, they have no place in it. But we got to get John back in because he's losing his mind. He's not coaching and going through that. I think it was a favor because I can't really see the benefit or what John's going to offer them about Carr. Remember, Dennis Allen drafted Carr. Like, Dennis Allen was the best defensive coach this year against the Raiders offense with Carr. They shut him out. So I don't know what they could have learned. What could they have learned from bringing Gruden in? That Gruden wants to call four plays at the line of scrimmage and end up with fullback in the flat? Like, I don't know what they could have learned. But I think it helps. We're talking about it. It gets his name back out there. It's something that John, who values his career, who wants to keep coaching, who said, look, I've made a mistake. I don't deserve this. I'm a good person. I deserve. I, I, I should be back in it. I think that's what they're trying to do. Question three, Michael. On a recent Lombardi line, or maybe it was a GM shuffle, you brought up an interesting topic. 
coaching improvement over the offseason. Everyone is very quick to judge and say which players need to improve and how or whether they did so, but what about the coaches? What is their process of improvement over an offseason? Does a Mike McDaniel go back and self-scout how he blew the playoff game in Buffalo? Does a young coach like Brandon Staley ever call on a Jimmy Johnson or Bill Parcells to help him get better over the offseason like a quarterback hires a quarterback coach and trainer? Dan Campbell seemed to drastically improve strategically as last year went on, but still has a ways to go, and it's hard to bet Lions futures knowing this. So what are coaches doing to get better in the offseason or for the good ones, stay sharp? Well, I think a guy like Dan Campbell has a relationship with Parcells. There's conversations between him and Parcells. That's one of the missing links in the National Football League is there's nobody coaching the coaches. A lot of guys don't want to be coached. A lot of guys think they have all the answers. A lot of guys think they've done this. And the ones that gravitate towards some of the guys, go talk to, sit down and talk to Pat Riley. You don't have to be a football coach to talk to another coach about culture and about how to organize and how to get your messaging to the players. You could spend a day with Jeff Van Gundy. You could spend a day with Eric Spolster. You could spend a day with a lot of guys from other sports, fly over to England and spend time with Sir Alex Ferguson. You'll really get a good grasp or bring Owen Eastwood in who wrote a book called Belonging. There's a lot of ways to improve your craft. I just don't know if there's a lot of people talking about it. I mean, Salah is talking about being one of the top six or eight teams in the league. He's been in the playoffs since 2010. That's the dumbest statement I've ever heard. Like, if you don't get better, your team's not going to get better. So for me, it, it, it really is a big void, and it depends on the coach. It depends on the background of the coach. Hell of a note to end the show on. Great stuff, as always, fellas. You're the best. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Stormy. I didn't know we were ending it there. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> I thought the, we had another one. The music's coming in. Game over. I hear uh, it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. That's a wrap on the Lombardi Line. VEASAN Best Bets is coming up next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.